0: Investments. How many of you are investors? Nobody's hand went up. When someone says they are an investor, we usually think of Wall Street and stocks, or real estate, or pork bellies. Well, maybe not so much pork bellies. I've been an investor in oil wells, in windmills, all kinds of things, but probably the, the one investment that I made that had the biggest financial impact was ocean racing sailboats, otherwise known as a hole in the water in which you pour endless sums of money and you never see a dime of it back. Most of the time when I was doing my own investing, I seemed to follow the investment strategy of buy high and sell low. It worked every time. So what does investment mean? The dictionary defines the term as an asset or an item acquired with the goal of generating income or appreciation. The usual thought is that we invest money in something with the intent to receive a return on our investment. If you stop to think about it, we're all investors seeking returns on our investment. We buy a house. We do so because we hope the house will increase in value and we will receive a return on investment. But but, maybe we don't buy the house seeking a monetary gain. Maybe we buy it because it will be a wonderful place for our family to live and for our children to grow up. We buy a car, old or new. We do so because it will be a safe and reliable means of driving and of transportation. That's a return on investment. We buy groceries at the grocery store. And we use them to provide a nourishing and healthy meal for our family. That is a return on investment. So you see, we are all investors. And we are all investing our money all of the time. Obviously, investments have been around for a long time. And they come in many, many different forms. In 70 A.D., (coughs) Judea was finally destroyed by the Romans, specifically the city of Jerusalem and most importantly the temple in Jerusalem, the center of Jewish religious life. The Jews were willingly spread throughout the then known world. This movement of people was called a diaspora. They needed instruction and guidance on how to live in a strange land and in strange communities. They turned to the prophet Jeremiah, who had written these words from our first scriptural reading Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, Make, take wives and have sons and daughters. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, because because, in its welfare you will find your welfare. This is the biblical call for us to invest in the welfare of communities in our lives. Even if it is a community to which we've been in exile. I don't think there are a whole lot of people that have been exiled to Palos Verdes Estates, Rolling Hills Estates, etc. Well, where do we get that which we are supposed to invest? In a word, God. In a word, God. God has given us so many gifts, physical abilities, intelligence, the ability to love and care for others, and yes, money. But to us, God has invested these gifts in us. We are God's investment. In the hope that God will receive a return on God's investment. These gifts are not for us, but for others. And now God has strategically placed our lives where we can express his love by our kindness in serving others. That is the return on investment that God is seeking. That is why he has given us so many gifts. One could look at God and say that God actually is an investor, an investor investor you and in me, investing his resources for a return on investment through us. But in God's case, he is seeking the return that God wants through us. The return on God's investment is to serve others in the name of God. Today's second scriptural passage is a parable. It demonstrates just what return on investment God is seeking. Jesus explained how life is like a rich man going on a long journey who called together his servants and gave them each a sum of money with instructions to trade with until he returned. After the passing of years, he did in fact return to settle accounts with his employees. Two were rewarded because they could give their master a return on investment. One was not rewarded because he could not return give a return on his master's investment. To really understand God is an investment we must understand the concept of ownership. Now an minute, I'm going to make a statement that a long, long time ago was very difficult for me to understand, and I wrestled with it for quite a while. I'm talking decades ago, but we all need to understand that all is owned by God, and when I say all, I mean everything especially the gifts that God has given us to use in God's service. The Bible reminds us that all true ownership belongs to God. Psalm 24.1 The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Based upon the Bible, we can honestly say that all that we have, all that we have seen and made our own has come from God. It is God's right now, and it will be God's in the future. This is true for our homes, our cars, our groceries, our clothing, our bank accounts, every, even our flesh and blood. The Apostle Paul reminds us, for we brought nothing into this world And we cannot take anything from it. All that we have is God's. There's an old saying on this subject, and it is, you don't see any boat hitches on hearses, do you? If all ownership is God's, then the second point of the parable is that we are called to manage God's ownership. Most all investments require some sort of management. That management is called stewardship. The definition of stewardship is the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care, like the gifts from God. In Greek, the word for management is economia. The English translation is economics or economy. Stewardship means I do not own, I manage. Stewardship is expected for all of us, no matter where we are and no matter what our situation is. We cannot say, Well, I don't have to use the gifts God has given me to improve the lives around me because I'm just temporarily here. Or, I'm just here for the summer. Or, I have my roots elsewhere. Or, based on some statements I've heard in this church during stewardship time, I'm new here. I'll just let the old-timers take care of the responsibility for the church. You can't say that. Nor can you say... I feel like a stranger here. These people surrounding me now are not my people, so I don't feel any responsibility for the church. Now, you can't say that, nor can you say, I'm too old or too poor or I'm too anything. This comes to us with biblical authority. Build houses. Plant vineyards. Seek the welfare of the community in which you find yourself. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Now that's biblical stewardship. Not how much of my money am I going to give to God but how much of god's money and i am i going to keep for myself it's not all about me and my money but it is about god and others who can be served we have god investing in us on the one hand and we have people who desperately need the gifts that we have received and we are right in the middle The Neighborhood Church. We are to engage in the compassionate use of the wealth given to us by God. God will never ask us, for instance, in my case, how big was that racing sailboat you had? God will ask us, did you use it to help others, such as to give free rides on it in a a charity event, or to teach inner kids how to sail when they've never even seen the ocean. God's not going to ask you about the square footage of the last building you purchased. God will ask you, how many people did you shelter in that building? God won't ask you about all your assets. God will ask you about your generosity with God's money in helping others. Stop and think for a minute. Name the last three World Series winners. Name the last Super Bowl champions of the 1980s. Name the ten of the California State Senators. And name the last five Best Actor Oscar Award winners. Pretty tough, pretty tough. I can't can't do it, I can't do it. But you will recall the names of those who brought meals to your home when you were seriously ill. You will recall the people who came alongside you when you had lost a loved one. And you will remember six people in your Bible study class, with whom you all learn about God. Do you see the impact on others we can have using God's gifts? We can have a far greater impact on people than anything that the world or society that we live in. Jesus told around 48 parables. No, no. Firm, line there. That's about 48. Five, deal with just who is God. Eight, deal with history. Four, ask us to watch carefully for the second coming of Christ. Three, ask us to raise our hearts in prayer and never lose faith. And nine, yes, nine, deal with stewardship. Stewardship. Why did Jesus talk so much about possessions, about management of material blessings, about money? He did so because he knew money was the chief rival for the soul of human beings. After all, what caused the rich young ruler to walk away from Jesus? Money. Why did Jesus overturn the tables of and throw out some people from? The temple? Money. What was it Jesus, Judas received for betraying Jesus? Money. It's stewardship time at the neighborhood church. So today, right now, in today's offering, and during this stewardship campaign, Let us all become good stewards of the gifts God has given to each of us. To take some liberty with the words of Jeremiah, join and participate in the organization, in the programs, and the activities of this community, the Neighborhood Church. Be a good steward of that which has been given to you by God to financially support the neighborhood church in an amount pleasing to God because it's God's money. Seek welfare of the neighborhood church and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare... In the neighborhood church's welfare, you will find your welfare. Amen.